Welcome back to the Passive Road to Retirement podcast. We're your hosts, Andrew Jarrett and Nick Cooper. Today, we're joined by Perry Keenan, aka the Flippin' Mayor. Perry is a seasoned real estate investor with nearly 20 years of experience. He found his passion for investing at a real estate seminar, Flipping Houses, in 2005. Since then, he's spent his time not just flipping houses, but also acquiring buy and holds, wholesaling, and most recently, purchased a mobile home park. When the real estate crash of 2008 happened, Perry and Misty were holding five mortgages, including their personal home. Perry often jokes, during the crash, you couldn't even get Warren Buffett approved for a home loan. <laughs> Faced with declaring bankruptcy, they sold two properties at a loss and converted the other two houses to rentals. Perry then took a sales manager position with a roofing company in Hendersonville, Tennessee, and gave up on real estate. The next four years were brutal. A bad run of bad renters and a crappy housing market burned them out of real estate. In 2012, Perry was elected mayor for the town of Pleasant View, Tennessee, and in 2014, got back into house flipping. Perry spent eight years as mayor of his hometown and has hundreds of hours in speaking engagements to small and large audiences. Perry and his wife currently own 40 plus doors with the goal of acquiring 40 more in the next 18 months. Since 2015, Perry and Mistia's wife have been blessed in steadily building their buy and hold portfolio to over $6 million. Perry, welcome to the show. Dude, man, what an honor to be here. I'm so excited, man. Y'all have had some real rock stars on here, man. So thank you very much for, for including me in the mix. Oh, we're glad to have you here. Of course. Never had a mayor before, so you're the first one. <laughs> Politician. <laughs> we'll, we'll set the bar low on this then, so. <laughs> All right. That sounds good. I'm going to start off first, and I think that yeah. I'm curious, like you and myself and Andrew, we both were around for that 08 uh, little thing that happened back then. So mm. I learned a lot from them, and Andrew has as well. Like, What did you get out of that You know, 2008, the last time we had a, a real recession? A lot of gray hair. Does that count? So <laughs> I lost mine, so don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um two two takeaways uh that I got out of that. Um with uh with just given an opportunity to either sink or swim. Uh my dad taught us uh at an early age, he and mom were both very entrepreneurial. Um, still are, and uh, just taught us at an early age, man, you either lead, follow, or get the hell out of the way. And and uh, and it was one of those where we just, I just didn't want to declare bankruptcy. And I don't begrudge anybody that has some people right. that that's an option that they have to do, and, and it is what it is. But um, I was just determined to absolutely fight our way out of this thing or just go down trying. And so uh, God's good. And, and we're, we're able to reposition some things. And uh, just what I learned out of that 08 crash, I would say is just a real level of tenacity that I, I didn't realize that I had. The other thing that I learned, which is very poignant to today for anybody that's listening to this, um, with the potential for a market crash that may be coming and you get a lot of the gurus that are saying oh no we you know we're we're insulated in certain parts of the country and we're not going to have a market crash but then you get the other talking heads that say oh no it's coming and the shoe's going to drop by the end of the yeah. year mm -hmm. whatever the situation is people that stayed in real estate through the 08 crash and weathered that storm became amazingly wealthy 
because they were able to pick up houses for pennies on the dollar, dollar. And when everybody was trying to run to get out of the pool, those guys were jumping in without a life preserver. They just literally uh, could not buy stuff quick enough. And the majority of the people that I know that use that strategy um, just made a tremendous amount of money. And we're getting ready, I think, to have another one of those opportunities where you're going to have people that bought things on, um, you know, uh, particular financing with balloon payments after five years and that type of stuff. And and they go to re refinance and properties are not going to cash flow. Um, they're going to be upside down underwater and they're going to need to sell. And not to say that you would take advantage of, of somebody in a situation like that, but if someone is upside down on the property and they need to sell, people that have cash on the sidelines or that have gotten an education by listening to podcasts like yours right. um, will be very well positioned to pick up some great deals on investment properties over the next 12 to 18 months. Uh, I think a lot of folks actually pulled the cord too quickly. Like I exited out of one of my properties back in, you know, 08 timeframe. Mm -hmm. And if I held on to that now, like I'd be, you know, sitting pretty, but I'd be doing a lot better off. I think a lot of folks just kind of see it coming and they just like, Hey, I have to punch out. And yeah. some of those things you, you should punch out them and some you probably should hold and wait to the next cycle. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree completely. Yeah. If you can cash flow it. Then mines will hold on. You know, time mm -hmm. time heals all wounds for the most part in real estate. So <laughs> it does. It does. And you know, to to be honest, when when the market crashed, as you said in the intro, uh, we were stuck holding five mortgages. And man, it it was awful. I I remember um I'd gotten a job offer. It was the only job offer that I could get um down in Houston, Texas. And you know, we had a at that time, we had a, a daughter that was about a year and a half or two years old, and my wife was holding our brand new son. And I'm looking in the rearview mirror of the car while I'm pulling out of the driveway to go to Texas. And I'm seeing them in the driveway as I'm leaving. And I'm thinking, gosh, this sucks. Yeah. But I was going to find a way to fight my way out of it, man. I just yeah. was, I just had no choice. You had a why. You had a had very a strong why. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you have a strong enough why, you're going to figure out the how and how to do everything. Very true. Absolutely correct. That's interesting. I had a significant financial setback as well when I was younger. And I know kind of what I went through mindset wise. So I'm just kind of curious, you know, you, you had to get that job and then you went back into entrepreneurship and real estate. How did you mm -hmm. flip your mindset to get out of that job and, and go back out and work for yourself? So um, a little of that came with the timing of uh, in uh, during that 08 period, I had spent four years as city council and vice mayor for our hometown, Pleasant View, Tennessee, and uh, had an opportunity to run for mayor <clears throat> in 2008 and just said, you know, <clears throat> right now with holding five mortgages in the market, the market feels like everything is just kind of crashing down around us. I didn't want to, I just didn't want to add something else to the mix that would be a, you know, a distraction. Uh, felt like I needed to focus on God, family and work and, and put it in that order and said, yeah, maybe another time. And so in 2012, that opportunity came back around for me to run for mayor. And so uh, we did. And uh, they said, you know, uh, not to sound preachy, but, you know, if that's where God wants me, it'll, it'll happen and got elected and, um, 
was still treading water because the the two that we were still holding we were upside down literally underwater uh about a thousand dollars a month upside down give or take uh if somebody okay. was late on the rent payments yeah. and um still treading water and then in 2014 my mom and dad who are awesome people um you know, I, I'd come and gone to them and I said, look, I'm, I'm kind of over it at this point. I'm, I literally, I just, I need to fire sell these things and just get out and just take the hit and figure out what we're going to do from there. And they said, you know, you ought to go sit down and have lunch uh, with our family friend, Johnny, um, and talk to him. And then his business partner, his business partner, partner Michael, um, who had been incredibly successful in real estate. And they did not get out when everybody else was in 08. Uh -huh. They were one of the ones that were just buying everything. Banks were literally calling them and saying, hey, we noticed that you bought this property at an auction. We've got 10 more. How about we don't send those to auction and you guys just come and just work a deal with us? And so they, they picked up about 150 doors uh, through that time. Nice. And so I went and sat down with Johnny and said, you know, <clears throat> kind of gotten back in the house flipping and it's helping pay the bills, but I'm still upside down on these others and I just don't know what to do. And, and so Johnny said, well, he pulled out the the paper or we used the paper uh, at the restaurant as the tablecloth mm. and he just started writing everything down. And four hours later, he had laid out a plan and he said, you need to get to 10 doors as quickly as possible. And I told him, man, I'm, I can't wait to get rid of the two that I've got. What do you mean? I need to get to 10. And he said, your mindset's wrong. He said, what you've done with flipping is you created a very flexible job for yourself. But what happens if you don't find the next house to flip? You've lost your income. But with rentals, when you get to 10 doors, something happens. The stress is off. Uh, you have less worry, <clears throat> excuse me, less worry if, you know, one or two go empty or a water heater leaks or something needs to be repainted or whatever the the income from the other six or seven will float all the expenses for the 10 as a whole. And so I went home and I, I talked to my wife about it and I said, look, I said, I can't argue with his logic. I mean, the man's got 150 doors. He's yeah. obviously doing something right. Um, mm -hmm. And his car, his car and house are a whole lot nicer than ours. Um, and so I said, what do you think? She said, let's try it. So it literally, guys, as soon as we got to 10 doors, it was like all the stress mm. was gone. Like it was literally like flipping a switch and all of the stress was gone. Somebody would call and they'd say, hey, you know, I need to move out early and break my lease or whatever. Not a problem because the others were were carrying the load for the 10. And um, I, I just I'll never forget getting to that number and thinking, gosh, I'm not. I'm not freaking out anymore. I'm not upside down on these properties. And, you know, so I tell people, you know, you have gurus that'll come on and, and people that have, you know, a thousand doors here or 500 doors there and they're part of syndication deals and they're doing all that, which is awesome. And I would love to maybe do a few of those at some point in the future, but I'm also very comfortable knowing that, you know, we, we've got 44 or 45 doors right now. We're getting ready to close on another 13, um, and I don't have to stress like I used to. So there, I, I, I just have coined it the power of 10. Like literally it is the power of 10. It's fantastic. Hey everyone. Hope you're enjoying this episode. Are you ready to maximize your real estate investing to its full potential? Send me an email at andrew at jarrettcapital.com 
and take your life and business to all new levels. That's Andrew at J-A-R-R-E-T-T capital.com. I think you figured out scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exactly what yeah. you figured out is that one those two properties were it's the death of a thousand cuts. Yeah. Cause it was, it was awful. It, it was so terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was building up, yeah. Once you, it was right Monday by 10, but it was right around there that, yeah, you start paying for those expenses out of cash flow instead of coming out of pocket. Mm-hmm. Definitely a game changer. You're totally right about that. It is. And, and you know, part of it, uh, going back to your original question, I, I think one of the things that kind of shifted for me is, you know, after after becoming mayor in 2012 and, and getting back into real estate, you know, I'd kind of discovered bigger pockets around 2014, mm-hmm. 2015. Um, I started listening to, uh, I love my 80s hair metal, man, rock and roll. <laughs> if it's too loud, you're too old. Um, <laughs> and I, I used to love going to the gym and I'd throw in the headphones and I'd, I would be listening to my favorite, you know, 80s rock. Um, but then I, I started listening to stuff like bigger podcast, uh, bigger pockets, podcasts like yours, um, listening to books on audio. And it just really kind of changed my mindset and, and really kind of set me on a trajectory that, that I really feel like made a huge difference. Um, and one of the, one of the books that I listened to is from a motivational speaker. His name is Andy Andrews. And Andy talks about being an author and he had this idea for a book and he went and he pitched it to a publishing company and, and they said, you know, yeah, no, I I don't. Yeah, no, that, that's, that book's not for us. And he said, I got rejected and and he said 50 rejections later, he said, I was ready to throw in the towel, but my wife reminded me of a section in the book that said, I will persist without exception, period. I will persist without exception. And he said, okay, well, at this point, after being rejected 50 times, literally, um, he said, I went out and just self-published the book. And you know what? Did really well. And it sold 100,000 copies. And then I went back to, you know, one of the publishers and said, hey, guys, I just sold 100,000 copies of this book. And I said, boy, wow, we were really wrong on that. And uh, (laughs) what's the odds? And he said, well, you know, do you guys want to, you know, take this over now? I said, well, we think it's probably run its course. And so, but man, congratulations on your 100,000. And he said, so I went back to him at 200,000. Yeah. And they said, gosh, what are the odds of being wrong twice? Man, we can't believe this. Oh my God. Yeah. But we, that we're really sure the book is so, you know, as much as it's going (laughs) to sell and, you know, but again, congratulations on your success. And he said at 300,000 copies, I didn't even bother to go back to him at that point, (laughs) you know? So (laughs) it's just that persisting without exception, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a lot to be said for that. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So one question. So you're, the mayor, how has that affected your business? Not saying you're giving yourself any good deals here or anything, but does it, you know, government and sometimes business goes hand in hand? It, it can. Um, and so, you know, it, it's it's one of those where I, I did not do any business in my hometown during during mm-hmm. that stretch as far as like rentals and that type of thing. Um, I retired out of politics in, in December of 2020. Um, but, um, I I just, I bought in other communities in and around, right? but I, I didn't, I just didn't 
feel comfortable trying to do something in my own town because it's small enough. And of course, everybody yeah. would know. And I actually, my wife and I were very private about our, our real estate stuff that we were doing and, and that type of thing. Um, you know, by and large, people just didn't, didn't know that that's what we did. Of course, I guess if they had really looked at the balance sheet for what my paycheck was while being mayor, uh, it paid a thousand dollars a month. Barely enough money to cover your gas <laughs> back and forth to the meetings and your cell phone bill. Yeah. And so, you know, if they had really looked at that, they would have said, well, gosh, he's got to be doing something else. You know, oh, well, he's a politician. He's probably taking money off the top or some kind <laughs> of, you know, something like that. Uh, but, you know, it, I will say this when I would go and sit down in front of a bank, um, those doors were open a little easier because it was something uh, where they said oh well this guy's got a little bit of notoriety and even though it's you know a small town um he's got a little bit of notoriety behind him and so uh yeah we'll we'll sit down in front of you know a bank you know sit down in front of him and give him an opportunity to talk to us about you know whatever real estate deal he's looking at um having done that enough now while i while i truly think that it, that it didn't hurt um I will say that having the paycheck of a thousand dollars a month actually was a deterrent because every single banker that I sat down in front of, you know, and they want to see your, you know, what your income tax yeah. returns look like. And they would all say, wait a minute, bro, you're only making $15,000 a year. Like, how, like what? Like, well, no, we can't give you a loan. <laughs> like, what are you talking <laughs> about? Um, and so anyway, then I, then I kind of got smart and, uh, figured out, you know, the, the right way to do things when it comes to, uh, rental property specifically is just making sure that you've got your, your DSCR, your, your debt service coverage ratio, uh, in such a way that, you know, the deal makes sense and can stand on its own. And I have found between that and using the Burr method, which I had learned about from podcasts like yours, uh, where you go in and you buy it, uh, you rehab it, you rent it out, you refinance it, and then you just repeat the process. Um, that worked really, really well for us. Um, and, you know, it's funny because you you see some of these gurus talking about buying things with, you know, no money down or, you know, yeah. this, that, the other. We've bought several houses that way. Um, the trailer park that we're under contract with right now, um, we're getting that one for five thousand down, and the owner is carrying the note on it. You know, wants to wants to retire out and go do something else, and is tired of being a a, a property owner slash landlord. You know, the, those deals exist; they're still out there. Some of my best deals were bought that way. <laughs> yeah, shoot, yeah, it's fantastic. It yeah. is so fantastic. Tell us how you kind of went from flipping to Burr to now you got a uh, a mobile home park or a trailer park you have coming up. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that goes back to that lunch that I had with yeah. our, our family friend who who completely changed my mindset and said, you know, you're going about it all wrong. You need to look at start building something that's going to be residual income. And I know people, you know, when they listen to, you know, shows like this and they hear, you know, everybody coming on and they're talking about mailbox money and residual income, like it's hard for somebody that has never started or never done a yeah. real estate deal to really kind of wrap their head around it. But man, there is just such a great feeling when you are on vacation and you're doing real estate as a side hustle 
and you open up your app on your phone and you look and see where three renters have made deposits today <laughs> and you're sitting on the beach somewhere like yeah. there gosh man what a what a fantastic feeling um and so going from house flipping and transitioning over to uh to real estate investing as you know buy and hold um you know it it's it's one where it's all about building that long-term wealth and uh, I tell people all the time, if your first deal is a hundred doors, man, God bless you. That's awesome. Those deals are out there. And I, and I meet people from time to time where, you know, they, they're like, oh yeah, my first deal was a hundred unit apartment complex. You know, that's awesome. Congratulations. Right. That's great. Um, but I, I think that, you know, part of why I enjoy coming on podcast is to let people know that, that. If you're in my age bracket, I'll be 52 this year. Uh, if you're in my age bracket uh, and you're really getting to that point of being burnout out in your job job and you're looking for a side hustle, you, just like Gary Vee says, man, you've got a lot of life left. <laughs> Don't sit there and think that the life's over just because you've been at your job job for 20 years. Keep doing that. Start a side hustle. Make a goal to buy two properties between now and the end of the year. And then next year, make a goal to buy three more. And the year after that, make a goal to buy four more. And then the year after that, buy another four or five. And within five years, you'll have close to 15 properties. And man, you know, it, you it, within five years, just, you know, do it incrementally. Don't get overwhelmed. And the thing that, that I also tell people, I am not the sharpest tool in the, in the shed. I'm really not. Um, but I'm very good at listening to guys like you and your guests that you have on and saying, oh, they did it this way and it worked for them. So I'm not going to recreate the wheel. I'm going to do it exactly the way that they did. Yep. Yeah, I think what breadcrumbs you can find from that and follow those and like, you know, the old saying that success leaves clues mm -hmm. and like you don't have to learn on your own, you, you know, leveling up with like, say, a coach or a mentor from, you said, even a podcast. That's what started me even starting on this journey was a podcast. I was like you, I was in the military, you know, 20 years. And mm, I was like, Oh, this, Oh, appreciate your support. And it's, it's, you realize like, man, this person doing this is not any smarter than me or he just is taking action. Yeah. Those people way smarter than me that aren't doing anything. They're not taking any action. So they're going to stay where they're at. Right. Yep. Right. Back. Absolutely. And you know, I, I mean, that's, that's it to a T just persist, take action, take action. Um, you know, I, I've got friends that, you know, they look in and, you know, we, we sit down and we have dinner and they'll, you know, Oh, how's the rental game going, you know, and, and we don't ever, you know, unless they happen to listen to one of these podcasts, which is yeah. not likely, but um, you know, they don't, they, we just don't ever talk number of doors and, and that kind of stuff. They just know that we have some rentals, quote unquote. Um, and I, I try not to be braggadocious about it. I can come on a podcast like yours and, and talk numbers because that's what we do when we're in this sphere. Um, but for people that, that are out there, man, just that are thinking, well, gosh, I don't know where to start podcasts like this, that, that, you know, have guests on, they will drop that roadmap for you and, and just follow the breadcrumbs. You're absolutely right. Follow them. They're there. That's actually great. Exactly. That brings me to my next question. So knowing 
what you know now, I guess, you know, you've done wholesale, flip, buy and hold. Mm -hmm. Someone's starting out, what would you suggest they should do? So I, I would say to be careful of analysis paralysis. Mm -hmm. um, and for somebody that doesn't know what that means, saying, well, you know, I'll probably listen, I, I need to listen to 10 more podcasts and then I'll be ready. Or I probably need to go in and, and, uh, read three books and take 17 pages of notes and go to one real estate conference and then I'll be ready. Yes, do all of those things. But the best the best thing that you can do to get yourself ready is to start taking action. Um, if somebody says, well, what's the very first step? I typically tell them to get their to get their financial house in order. And what I mean by that is, not necessarily get yourself out of debt or pay off a credit card or any of that stuff, but just get your get your your last two or three years of income tax uh, statements together. If you have a profit and loss sheet for the current business that that you may own or that you might be involved with, um, or W twos, ten ninety nine statements, any of that kind of stuff that can just kind of help a banker sit down and look at this and kind of paint a picture. Um, then just do that. Get those documents together, get them in a PDF format where you can email it out to a prospective loan officer and just introduce yourself. There's so many people in, in anybody's community, whether in California or Tennessee or wherever you are, we all know folks that are yeah. more that are more likely to loan on real estate deals than others. Um, our our biggest branch, uh, one of our biggest banks that we have here is Regions Banks, uh, and Regions would not typically be a bank that would lend money on real estate investments. But we've got three local banks here in Pleasant View that are small, and they love real estate investors. And so, you know, go and connect with people at local meetups and ask them. Hey, the last deal that you did, who was the lender that you used? How did you finance that deal? And then ask for a one-on-one -on -one with that person because that lender at that bank, if you're going to use financing like that, that lender makes his money by loaning you money. And yep. so while it may seem a little scary and you might go in there and, and feel awkward because you don't know exactly what questions to ask, those guys would rather you come in with a level of humility and say, Hey, I want to get into real estate yeah. investing. Here's the last couple of years of tax returns. Tell me what else do you need from me? What kind of deals have been successful that other people that who do I need to go talk? Man, those lenders love for you to get educated because you're going to come right back around to them and they're going to do business with you and then they're going to get a paycheck. So they're they're not scary like what you would think. So get your financial house in order first and take action. Yep. That's great advice. Fact. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Now, uh, Perry, I got one more question for you, but first, if people want to reach out and, and find <clears> you, <throat> contact you, what's the best way for them to do that? So if you're on Instagram, flipping mayor, uh, and that's without the G F L I P P I N mayor. Um, and I get people that will ask from time to time, well, how, how did you come up with that handle? Um, I, I typically, again, when we started flipping houses again, after I got elected as mayor, um, I typically would not go to meet with my subcontractors or the plumber or the electrician or the siding guy or, or whatever, um, wearing one of my, you know, golf shirts that said Perry Keenan mayor on it. Um, mm -hmm. 
partly because I didn't want them busting my chops, but also <laughs> because, you know, I, I just, I tried not to be arrogant about it. I would never walk into a room and be like, hi, I'm the mayor, you know? Right. Uh, and so this one day I was running late uh, to go meet my siding guy and I was coming out of a meeting and I didn't have, you know, like a t-shirt or something to put on the car. So I get to the house that we're flipping and I get out and he immediately he's like, what are you wearing? I'm like, oh boy, here we go. And he said, no, seriously, what are you wearing? And I said, well, I said, I'm, I'm the mayor over in Pleasant View, Tennessee. And he said, you're the, you're the mayor. And I said, yeah. And he's like, so like, you're the house flipping mayor. And I said, oh, believe me, I've been called the flipping mayor more times than you can count. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> and it, and it just kind of stuck. And so we said, okay, so the flipping mayor. So I, I grabbed that as an Instagram handle and my, uh, my admin, Sarah and uh, my wife, Misty, they, uh, they're awesome at, at keeping me relatively relevant, I guess you could say. So mm -hmm. Instagram is the easiest way, the flipping mayor. Uh, if anybody just wants to pick my brain, I'm happy to do a phone call. That number is 615-336-3401. Um, I'm also a licensed insurance agent in four or five different states, which is super handy because if I'm flipping a property or if I'm trying to buy something, yeah. you know, like a mobile home park in Alabama, yep. um, I can do my own insurance for it. So it just kind of works out. Um, so, and I do get a lot of, <clears throat> I do get a lot of investors that will reach out to me because I speak the language and I yeah. do invest. They're like, Hey, I need to make sure I've got the right kind of coverage. Can you take a look at my policy or give us a hand, which is awesome because, you know, that also provides, you know, an extra stream of income. Mm -hmm. yep. oh, that's great. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's awesome. Great way for context too. And it definitely helps have right. And then somebody that knows the investing world, you know, help you with your policies. Absolutely. It, yes. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> because it's, it's a little different than just putting insurance on a house and two cars. Right. Exactly. Right. Just a little bit. Yeah. Just a <laughs> So last question before we get into our five to thrive. Okay. You could step in our shoes for the interview. What's one question you would ask yourself that we did not ask you? Ooh. Um, you know, I guess, um, that question would be, what what do you do or where do you go from here? Or how do you get to the next level? And so for me, you know, it, it really does truly go back to the education aspect of it. You know, we, as I said earlier, it's not like I'm the smartest guy. I was a very average student in high school, um, but I absolutely just immerse myself into the the real estate investment community and culture as much as I possibly can. If there's a conference that is going to be anywhere close by, I try and go to it. If there are local real estate meetups, I try to go to those. If there's an opportunity and somebody says, Hey, I want to, I want to go catch lunch or dinner, or, you know, let's go have a drink and, and sit down and talk shop. I love to do that because that networking, it's important, obviously, but I truly believe that you are, as the old saying goes, you are the sum total of the five people you hang around the most. Yeah. Yep. And if you are hanging around with people that are that are constantly negative, that the world's always coming to an end, they're always bitching about politics or their family or their job or whatever it is, then, then you need a new circle of people that are going to be influencing you. And you need to be around like-minded people because I promise you, your broke Uncle Joe 
you tell him that you're that you're buying a house and you're <laughs> going to become a landlord or you're going to go flip a property. Yeah, you're broke. You're broke, Uncle Joe, or your or your crazy Aunt Sally is going to bust your chops, and they are going to give you crap, and they are not going to lift you up and help help give you that 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 energy that you need to succeed. And so I I would say podcasts, YouTube videos, real estate conferences, meetups local people just start surrounding yourself with, with those folks that are doing this and the rest will just fall into place again, take action. Yeah. That's the best point is like, don't take advice from folks that aren't where you want to be. Yeah. Like you're broke uncle Joe. You don't want to be where he's at. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, I, I'll sidestep to that just a second and say that, um, we've got a business partner, he and his wife on 10 doors, uh, his dad, this gentleman's dad, my, our, our partner, Chris, um, Chris's dad at one point had one or two rentals and thought, you know, he was going to get into that game a little bit and absolutely just, he couldn't get out of it fast enough, way too much risk for him. Um, and you know, he, his dad gave him a little bit of a hard time after he, after Chris and I bought, you know, the first one yeah. and then we, we bought the second one and now he just doesn't even ask, you know? <laughs> and so, but you know, his dad's an awesome guy, but yeah. you just, you don't take advice from people that, you know, just aren't in that space. You know, uh, I would never ask either one of you guys, you know, about advice for, you know, having chest pains and that kind of stuff. Um, I'm going right. to go to somebody that, you know, I know is in that sphere that knows what they're talking about, or I'm going to talk to somebody I know that's just had a heart attack. Uh, but, you know, I just got to watch who you take advice from. Yep. Free advice is free for a reason, right? <laughs> yeah, very true. Yeah. So now we come to our five to thrive. So here is basically a word association game. I'll okay. rattle off five words, rapid fire. Just give me okay. the first word, phrase, sentence, whatever you, whatever comes to mind. Just cannot repeat your answer. Okay. All right. First one, house flipping. Mm. Um, cosmetics, cosmetic flips are great. Mailbox money. Being a property owner of 10, 10 or more doors. Politics. Mm. Conservative Republican. <laughs> All right. Time freedom. Vacations with family. And Perry Keenan. Rock star. Ah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks, Perry. Oh, dude. No, y'all were awesome. This was a lot of fun. Thank you guys very much. Welcome.